0: Good evening. It's good to be here. Uh, We're going to be continuing the DTR series. We're going to be in Proverbs twenty-one, twenty-one. So the verse is very easy. Uh, you can look it up later, or I'll play it on the screen several times. As the young adult pastor, one of the main parts of my job, besides coffee, if you remember last week, I go for a lot of coffee with people, is I do a lot of weddings, and, And the peak wedding season is April to August, right? We live in the tropics of Canada, so everyone wants to come here, like everyone from the prairies or, you know, out east, they like the weather here. And then, so spring weddings, like kind of late spring, early summer into August, that's the vibe. That's what everyone wants, right? They want the little place out in Yarrow and beautiful weather, beautiful sunny days, so I do a bunch of weddings, and one of the things that I've learned is that the ceremony during a wedding is not just for the couple, right? If you ask anyone who's been recently married, they will not remember a single thing from the sermon. The, the ceremony is actually for the people. Like, they're there to be a witness to the vows that are going to be taken, uh, but they're also there to be encouraged and to be reminded as to what marriage is, right? There are things that I, I want to remind them, and one of the lines I most consistently say in, in wedding ceremonies, is that your spouse is the, the person who's going to have the most enduring, most impactful relationship with you. They are the single largest influence in your entire life, assuming you get married. So why do I start with a story about marriage if we're talking simply about dating? Uh, I, I think... It's appropriate because what I'm trying to convince you is that dating is serious business. We talked last week about the kind of things you needed to do to be ready, and tonight I want to talk about assuming you are dating, assuming you're already dating or that you've shot your shot and you've lined someone up and you're hoping to seal the deal, what should that relationship look like, knowing that that person, if you go the distance, will be the single greatest influence on you in your entire life. No pressure. No pressure. So I think there's some things we need to know. So I want you to date wisely. So to date wisely, that's the big idea for tonight, uh, there are ABCs of dating, if you will. I'm trying to keep it simple, trying to go back to the basics. So it's three really simple things, authenticity, boundaries, composure, the ABCs of dating. So we're going to start with authenticity, reading out of Proverbs 21, 21. So very short verse. Whoever pursues righteousness and kindness will find life, righteousness, and honor. You might be wondering, how on earth are you gonna get to dating from that? That is a general verse about wisdom in life. That is true, but I'm gonna take concepts from this verse, principles from this verse, and I'm gonna apply it to romantic relationships. So I talked about this last week, but proverbs as a genre are general wisdom. This is the way proverbs are meant to be used. We, we look at what a proverb says, and then we take a principle and we say, this is true. Now, where else is this true in our life? How else can this help me in the life that I wanna live? If I pursue righteousness and kindness, I will, in fact, find it. I will find life. And not just life, but righteousness and honor. I will have a good life. If you pursue a good life, you will get to a good life. That's, that's the argument here. So there are three parts to this, to this little verse. There's a subject, there's whoever, it's addressed about a specific person or persons. There's an action, pursuit, and then there's a result, uh, you will find life. So we're gonna take each one of these in part. So the very first one, the first part of this verse is the subject. Whoever, this is a proverb addressed to all people. Whoever, anyone, this proverb is about you. If you follow the direction of this proverb, you will get to the result that this proverb promises. We can summarize this idea of whoever with the simple phrase be who you are. In dating, the very first thing you need to know is that you need to be who you are. I'm going to quickly summarize some of the things we covered uh, last week because I think they're relevant to this concept. Be who you are. Uh, If you remember, there were two things I talked about. Does anyone remember? No one remembers. Perfect. Uh, Direction and target, right? Two phrases, right, that capture the fullness of of what you need to know before you're ready to jump into a dating relationship. Uh, You need to know the direction that you're going. I pulled this from Proverbs 4.23, which says, keep your heart with all vigilance for from it flow the springs of life. The argument I tried to make was that if your heart directs your life, if the heart pushes you in a particular direction, then the most important thing in your life is what your heart is most drawn to. And the thing that your heart should be drawn to, that your heart must be drawn to, is a living and active faith. is belief in who God is. Right, The greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. So our direction is influenced by our heart, and we need need to be going after God. Uh, We all love someone or something, and the most important love is your love for God. Uh, I have a quote from a a guy named Thomas Chalmers. I doubt any of you know who that is. He's been dead for like 300 years, but he wrote a tiny little book called The Expulsive Power of a New Affection because Puritans named everything crazy long, but I'm going to read you a little quote from it. It's the heart's desire for one particular object that may be conquered, but as for its desire for having some one object or another, this is unconquerable. Its adhesion to that on which it has fastened the preference of its regard cannot willingly be overcome by the rending away of a simple separation. It can be done only by the application of something else to which it may feel the adhesion of a still stronger and more powerful preference. This is Old English for saying your heart will always want something. And knowing that then, you need to direct your heart towards something ultimate, namely faith in God. So I tried to make the argument last week, you you need to be going in the right direction. You need to have a living and active and vibrant faith if you want to be ready to date as a Christian. And if you have that faith, the next thing you need to know is your target. Who is it that I'm looking for? And if you remember, I talked about targets as value or the the target is the values, characters, and activities that are non-negotiables for you. Every one of us has something, right? The list can't be too long. The list can't be too short, right? Goldilocks, right? Not too hot, not too cold, just right. So there are non-negotiables that all of us have. You need to be going in the right direction. You need to be aimed at the right target And if that is true, then, if if you know who you are, if if we're going to be authentic, you know who you are, be who you are, uh, where is it that we mess this up? Where is it that we go wrong? If we all are looking to find a good match, assuming that you are pursuing a dating relationship or that you are interested in a dating relationship, where is it that people go wrong? Well, I think there's kind of two directions that that people mess it up. Uh, We choose a bad match, right? Sometimes we just go for someone that we know they're not... A good target. I know they don't actually fit my non-negotiables, but I'm still gonna go for it. And we have lame excuses like I'm gonna try it out, or maybe this one will be different, or I just don't want to be lonely. But we go for someone that we know is a terrible fit. Uh, I remember doing this in high school. This was my mo in high school. I thought that I had a lot of game, but I was wrong. I was just an idiot. And I would talk to like a different girl like every month. And I was like, I don't understand why they don't reciprocate. And I'm like, oh, it's because I've talked to a different girl every month for four years. That's on me. Uh, I had no idea what I was looking for. So basically, anyone who looked pretty and like, said anything back, I was like, she's obviously interested. And I remember dating people that I knew were a terrible fit. I I dated my my very first girlfriend, uh, was someone who, like, we were kind of friends, and she seemed quite interested in me, but there were, like, two massive, like, red flags. Like, she was not the right target. We were very far apart on faith convictions, right? So I was attempting, I think, to be a Christian. I, I wanted to follow God. I was stumbling along the way. She had no interest. She grew up in an agnostic home, so she was like, I see no value for that. And then we wanted totally different family lives. Like, I, I talked, like, I, I, since I've been a kid, I always dreamed of having a family, and settling down, and having, you know, the little white picket fence, and the two-car garage, and kids in the backyard, and two dogs. Like, I had this dream life, even as a little kid. And this girl wanted totally, she was like, I want to have this career, and I, I want to travel. And I was like, you know what would be a great idea? If we started dating. And we did! That's not the girl I married, if you were wondering, right? We broke up. She she broke up with me because eventually she realized this guy's a terrible fit. Even as I learned it was a terrible fit, I still didn't back out. And we do this, right? We're like, I can be alone or I can date someone who's a terrible fit. Well, I don't want to be alone, so I'll date someone that's a terrible fit. We struggle. Even when we know who we are, we struggle to be consistent. We struggle to be ourselves, And sometimes we don't go all that way, right? We don't pick someone bad. We we find someone that we think, okay, they're somewhat compatible, they're an okay match, right? Like, I have my four non-negotiables, they check two of the boxes, let's see where it goes. And we start going on a date, and then eventually you, you start dating, and you're like, it's gonna work out. And what happens so often is that then People will actually change their non-negotiables. This is why I told you you should write them down. Because what happens is people start dating and they're like, actually, I used to think that was important, but it's not really important. I think this is the one. Yes, for sure. After two dates, I know that I have found the person for me. And like you laugh, but many of us have done this. I, I remember uh, counseling a couple a couple years back that they, they were already engaged they were going towards marriage, but they had some massive differences in, in values. And as we went through the premarital process, it, like, it kept coming up every single time, where I would ask them, okay, where do you see yourself in five years? And the girl was like, I see myself living in the UK, right, like traveling a little bit. And the guy was like, well, we're about to buy a townhouse this summer, and in five years, I hope to flip it into our first starter home. Uh, and I was like, wait a minute. This, these are... How on earth can you buy a starter home in B.C. when you're living in the U.K.? I like, oh, like, we'll figure it out, we'll figure it out. And unfortunately, they did not figure it out, and they actually ended up breaking up, which is a, a sad thing to witness, but the reality is they, they were never a good fit. They liked one or two things about each other. They started dating, and they stayed together two years because both of them just started erasing things off their list. We can make it work. The things that really matter to me, ah, they're not that important. But that's not true. The reason things matter to you is because they are important to you. And we get like nearsighted and we start to ignore the things that really matter once we are in a relationship. right? Love makes us blind. So when I tell you be authentic, when I tell you be yourself, this is what I mean. If you know what you're looking for, don't settle for someone that's a bad fit. Don't settle for someone that's only a half fit. You need to know who you are and you need to know what you're looking for. So if you need to know who you are and you need to know who you're looking for, the solution then is assuming that you are looking for someone to date, you need to find a good match. Uh, what, do, what do I mean by this? Uh, I think when I say find a good match, what I have in mind is that if you interact with someone and you have not in the one conversation or 20 conversations, not seen anything that challenges your non-negotiables, That person is a potential good match. That doesn't mean by a ring. It it means it could work. You could actually date. So this is something that I have noticed in my two years of young adult ministry. I'm a seasoned vet, obviously. Uh, I have talked to so many of you, and people are, like, terrified of going on a date. Like, it is, like, mind-boggling to me. I know I'm old, so I when I was in high school, people still did that. But people are like, well, I don't, I don't wanna be exclusive. I'm like, it's one coffee date at Starbucks. There's nothing exclusive about Starbucks. It's, it's a date, right? So if, if you are looking for a good match, my counsel to you is if you know who you are and you know what you are looking for, be willing to go on one date. The one date is just where you talk and you're trying to find out, is this person someone I should talk to again? and again, and again, and at any point, you can say, it's not for me, and you can walk away, and there will be some small hurt feelings, but you can walk away. So the very first thing in finding a good match is you need to be authentic, you need to be true to yourself, you need to be yourself. Find a good match, and then set some limits. So the first part is helping you actually find someone. But Once you do find someone, I think the next part of actually being in a dating relationship is setting appropriate limits. So we're going to circle back, Proverbs 21, 21. Whoever pursues righteousness and kindness will find life, righteousness, and honor. So again, we have a subject, an action, and a result. I want to focus on the action, pursue. Right, pursue is an active word. It means all of my effort, all of my energy is going after something specific. In the context of dating, it is going after a target. I know what I'm looking for. And now that I've acquired the target or now that I have someone that I'm officially dating, I have a boyfriend or I have a girlfriend, then the question is, what should our relationship look like? It does pursuit suddenly stop just because you now have a title on it? Of course not. You continue pursuing. So then How does pursuit look in a dating relationship where you are already an item, where you're already a couple? I think the action directly connects to to, to some objects, or direct objects, to use appropriate grammar. Uh, You pursue, but you're not just pursuing for the sake of pursuing. You're pursuing a very particular thing. You're pursuing righteousness, and you are pursuing kindness. Right, righteousness we could define as being morally pure or being upright in our, in our character, and our convictions. Uh, and kindness just refers to the way that you treat other people. So if we combine these two ideas, I am pursuing righteousness and kindness, then I am pursuing a morally upright way of treating other people. How would we summarize that in a single phrase? I think the word boundaries comes to mind. And by boundary, I mean setting clear limits. When, when we are in a dating relationship, I think what makes a healthy dating relationship is setting clear limits for what that relationship is and is not. And you might hear the word limit and you might think that sounds pretty lame. That's not what I want to talk about on, you know, like my third or fourth date. But it's wildly appropriate. Every single good thing in life has a limit, right? Uh, Pepsi comes in 355 milliliter cans, right? It, that glorious blue can, right? It, it's limited. There's only one can. That's why I buy 12 packs, so I can have more than one, right? Uh, sandboxes have four walls and a lid so that you don't end up with cat turds in there, right? Like every good thing has some form of limit, some form of protection, some form of restriction. Uh, diving boards, right? Super fun. They are only fun, though, if you land in water, right? If you have a diving board onto a gravel pit, how fun would that be? Not fun, right? Every single good thing in life has some sort of limit designed to maximize the flourishing within that space. Dating is like that. And in dating, we need to set limits so that we can flourish within that relationship. There are three categories of of limits that I think are appropriate to to set in a dating relationship. Limits on time, limits on touch, and limits on topics. The first is limits on time, and by that I mean the amount and the quality of time you spend together. Uh, Christians, oh, uh, I'll give you all three, actually. The, The limit on touch is the manner and frequency of physical affection, and the limit on topics is the timing and content of your conversation. So time, touch, topics are all limits that you must discuss if you are in a dating relationship. So first, we'll take time. Time boundaries. I'm gonna try to use the language of the text. We are pursuing, but we're not just pursuing a person. We're pursuing righteousness and kindness, right? I'm saying that those two things combined, they make up boundaries. So in regards to time, Christians should pursue kindness in the amount of time they spend with their boyfriend or girlfriend, with their significant other. I think it's a hard question to ask, so we rarely ask it, but it's an important question to ask. Uh, How much time... Do you actually need with your significant other? I think it's kind of an awkward question. I remember bumbling into this when when I got married to my wife, Rebecca, and we argued like probably the first two or three years about this very question. Because I was like, well, like, I love my wife, but I love the sports, and I'm also in school, and I also have a job. So, like, I'm trying to balance these things. So, in my mind, if I like do them all equally, everyone wins. And my wife was like, (laughs) you hate me. Uh, So I was like, okay. So I remember asking her, like, what would be an appropriate amount of time together? And she was like, well, I feel like we should have every evening together. And I was like, what? Uh, Sorry, one more time. And she was like, yeah, I would love to see you every day. And I was like, you do. I I live here. Uh, And which was the wrong thing to say. She was remarkably ungracious. I've learned to be smarter in the things that I like speak. But This conversation was illuminating in that it revealed a massive difference of opinion in how much time we actually needed. I was an Eric. We were a married couple. I should have prioritized her over my other things. But dating couples, jump the gun a little bit on this one, right? I know dating couples that see each other every single day. They need to see each other every single day, or that's what they tell you. But my big question is, do you? Do you need to see your dating relationship Every single day, seven days a week, multiple hours a day. What impact will that have on your other relationships? What impact will that have on your family, on your friends? Uh, what perspective does that allow you on the health of that relationship? Uh, the answer is zero, <laughs> zero perspective, right? People jump into these relationships and they're so pumped to be there and they see someone that they love and they care about and they think, why would I not spend all my time with them? But what we do is we fail to treat this person kindly because we lose all ability to be honest with them. We can't. We we have no ability to see them clearly because we're always this close. It is wise to limit the amount of time together to help you maintain your other relationships, your other friends, your family, in regards to a dating relationship. And further than that, if you want to pursue righteousness, then There is a value to discussing the type of time you spend together. So not just every single day, but what time of the day are you seeing each other, right? I know so many of you are are busy. You have careers, you're working, you're in school, you have all kinds of things going on. You're volunteering, and you're trying to, in that, you're trying to fit some time together. So if you want to prioritize a relationship, in my mind, I think that means two to three times a week you should see each other in person. But then the question is, okay, two to three times a week, I'm fine, I will be kind to my other relationships. Two or three times a week, I'm going to see this person who I'm dating. When should I see them? I think that's an important question to ask. And you might think, well, whenever it fits in my calendar, whenever I can make it work. If I work late, then I'll just see them after I get off work. Or if I work later in the day, maybe I see them before. But I think we need to have a little bit of discretion in the type of time we're spending together. Uh, I remember when I, back when I was in, just out of high school, I remember working at a grocery store, uh, and I would—I uh, worked like the opening shift, so I worked 5 a.m. to 1:30 p.m. I would go home, take a nap, then eat dinner, and then go hoop with the dogs. So I had a pretty chill life. I had a girlfriend, but I was a terrible boyfriend because I did the same thing every single day. Uh, and then if I wanted to, like fit her in, I would like see her after basketball, which is a profoundly stupid thing, because I would fall asleep like 10 minutes into any conversation, uh, because I'm like, I've been awake since 5 a.m., I took a tiny nap, and then I played three hours of basketball, like I'm not, in, I'm not engaged at all, like, I'm not paying attention, and I remember thinking, I don't know why she's always mad at me, um, so I like, I have a lot of bad examples of what dating should look like, I only did it right one time, and then I married that girl, so hey, you only have to get it right once, so you can learn from my errors my point here is we need some discretion in when we're spending time together. The time that you're choosing to be together, are, are you actually going to be awake? Uh, do you have your wherewithal uh, so that you can make good decisions in that moment? Uh, super early, super late, uh, there are lots of challenges that we present ourselves in our attention span, in our ability to resist temptation. Uh, we need to be wise and limit the quantity and quality of time we spend together. That's just time. Now, touch boundaries. All of us want to be affectionate, right? That's a normal human. Need we need affection? We want to show affection to the people that we care about. Uh, there are some culturally defined norms. So you see someone you haven't seen in a while, you give them a firm handshake. If you've known them for a longer time, maybe you give them a hug. I myself, if you're one of my closer guy friends, I lean in and give you the holy kiss, right? If you've seen me in the hallways, right? So the homie Lucas, you know, right? I like so that, that's normal, right? Lucas's girlfriend gets a firm handshake, uh, but. It's appropriate, right? It's appropriate. I don't want to kiss another the girl. I, I, come on. So all of us have appropriate ways of showing affection. So the question is, in a dating relationship, what is an appropriate way of showing affection, right? It, keeping in mind that in my pursuit of this person, I am pursuing not just them, but I'm pursuing righteousness and kindness. So not just a person, but righteousness and kindness. A morally upright life, and a kindness, a a right way of treating another person, right? If you combine that with the Bible's sexual ethic, that marriage is the only place for sexual contact, I think this is an awkward conversation because so many of us don't discuss it at all. We just go into dating and we think, it'll work out, I hope, I'll try, maybe, who knows, God forgives. But I think it's an important conversation, right? What is the right way to show physical affection? You might not agree with me, but here's my pastoral counsel to you. If you are in a dating relationship, what I tell couples when they are bold enough to ask me is if you are dating, you should hold hands. And if you're engaged, you should kiss. And then if you're married, you get the other stuff. This progression is designed to show physical affection that we all need while also providing appropriate boundaries so that you can obey God's word Uh, This progression of touch helps you show this is a unique kind of relationship. I I don't hold hands with everyone. I hold hands with the person that I'm dating. And now that we're moving towards marriage, we're raising the stakes. I'm more physically affectionate. And then once you get married, you enjoy the blessings and benefits of a marriage relationship. I think this is a hard word. I've never explained this to someone and heard them say, Freddie, that's wonderful advice. Thank you for telling me. I can't wait to apply this to my own life. You're a blessing to me. I can't wait to be your best friend, right? No one says that, right? They don't say the best friend thing just because, but uh, in regards to a boundary on touch, I think people struggle with this idea because it feels so restrictive. But what I'm trying to challenge you is if you are pursuing righteousness and kindness, I think it is wise to limit the type of touch that is part of your dating relationship to help you pursue holiness, In regards to touch, we also pursue righteousness in regards to the frequency of touch. Uh, I remember I got two little boys, like uh, one is almost three, the other one's one and a half, and we take them to the park, and we were spinning the block at Mill Lake, and the older one is on his stratter bike, and he's ripping, and we encountered uh, a young couple, those teenage lovebirds, if you've ever seen them, who are like, their hands could not be more intertwined. Like, I honestly thought they were glued together. Uh, And Isaiah does not care, he's a savage, so he ripped right through the middle of them, and they had to let go. And I have never seen two people be more sad that they were apart for two and a half seconds than (laughs) this teenage couple. They were like, I'll miss you, and they walked around the kid, and then they were like, it's good to have you back. And I was like, my wife and I were like, (laughs) like laughing at them, because you're like, come on, man, are you kidding me? But at the same time, I'm like, that is what love is like, right? I'm not here to be a curmudgeon. Like I I know I remember being a newlywed. I remember dating my wife. I remember wanting to be near her. That's not a question that I have. I know all of us want to show and receive physical affection. The question is, what is the right way of doing it? And then when I'm being physically affectionate, how much is appropriate? Like how often should I hold hands? Like in every setting, do I always want to sit right next to them? The closer our legs touch, the more loved I feel. Right? We we have these little things that we do, and all they show is that we've not thought at all about what will help me pursue righteousness and kindness in this relationship. When we're overly physically affectionate, we're overly touchy, what it does is it lowers our, our self-control. Uh, I was trying to think of a good way to explain this, and I thought, you know who would be good at explaining this? Uh, kids' movies, because they have wild subliminal messages. So we're going to roll a clip from The Secret Life of Pets. So let me just get out of the way. <clears throat> Where's the sound? on it. That's a great movie, actually. We, I watched it with my kids like a month ago. It's fire. Uh, I, I want to walk you through that clip. Like it was hilarious the first time I saw it, but then as I was writing this sermon, I was like, "Oh my word, uh, th- that is a sex joke!" Like they, they, this cat is wanting the chicken, right? And it, like more than anything, and he is overcome by temptation, or she, I guess her name's Chloe. Uh, she is overcome by temptation, and in the end, all the like stuffs herself with chicken. In the end, she still wants cake, if, if, if you know what I mean. Um, no, no one, come on. I looked it up on Urban Dictionary. I knew you know what it meant. Dog on it. Man, okay, we're going to cut that from the recording. Man, Lucas, I was trying to be relevant, but they didn't love it. They didn't love it. So you know what? I'm, not, I'm just never going to be relevant again. You people don't appreciate it. Doesn't matter. The point that I'm trying to make here, this is all you're gonna remember. Hey, you're gonna go home, and you're like, yo, the pastor said cake, and he wasn't talking about food. The guy's crazy. No, what I want you to take away from this is it is wise to limit the amount of physical touch, right? Sometimes we don't think that. Sometimes we think to ourselves, as long as I don't cross the line, everything else is fine. But ultimately, all we do is we wear ourselves down, and ultimately, we compromise. So the question for you is, when I'm talking about touch boundaries, like what is it that I'm looking for? You might not like Freddie's rule of like, holding hands and then kissing, but you need to have a rule. You need to talk about that in a dating relationship. Lastly, in regards to topics, I think we need to pursue kindness in the kinds of conversations that we have, in the content of our conversations It is so normal for people to start dating and then spend all their time together, and they talk about every single thing, but then when you, uh, like, ask them, like, you know, tell me about this person, like, what's their career, like you know, that they're working towards, and where do they see themselves in 10 years, and who has been, like, a really formative spiritual person in their life, and, like, what's your favorite book of the Bible? Like, you're like, dude, I have no idea, uh, but I know that they're going to the Eras concert, and I know that, like, they love banter ice cream. They go once a month just to make sure that they get every new flavor, and I'm like, hey, I'm not knocking banter. I'm not knocking Eras or T-Swift. You already know, but the point I'm trying to make is, are, are those the most important things in your life? Like, Probably not, actually, right? And it is a kindness when in a dating relationship, you focus on the things that really matter, your values, your hobbies, your testimony, the mentors or deep friendships in your life that have shaped the person that you are today. It is so normal for people to date and never talk about those things because they just talk about what is immediate. But we show kindness to the person that we're dating when we ask them, when we pursue them in such a way that we learn who they are. Lastly, uh, Christians pursue righteousness in the timing of their conversations. I think if if you're discussing all these things, you're discussing your time and your touch and your topics, I think one of the challenges is, is having conversations about your past, right? You're dating someone new, it's going really well, you've been together two or three months, and now you're wondering, okay, like, I've done some stupid things in my life, some sinful things in my life, like, do I share it now, do I wait until we're engaged, like, When is the time to do it? And all of us have some form of baggage. All of us have history. All of us have done things that we regret. And one of the big challenges is in a dating relationship, when do we talk about that? I think we pursue righteousness in the timing of those conversations. sometime after the 3 month mark 3 months gives you enough time where you start to know who that person is if you are pursuing them with kindness you know important things about who has shaped them and the things that really matter to them how they're connected to the church the content of their faith but around the 3 month mark i think we need to have some very candid conversations about past experiences things that shape us things that challenge us things that leave us with scars things like our experience with pornography Uh, Things like previous relationships, things like major struggles with health, whether physical or mental, things like faith doubts, there are challenging things that are necessary to discuss. You cannot hope to advance a relationship if the person does not know who you are. But at the same time, as we discuss those things, if we are pursuing righteousness, I think we need to endeavor to speak honestly without being explicit. I have given lots of people this counsel over the years because one of the big challenges is people don't share anything, which is a huge mistake because then the other person feels lied to. It feels like you've been hiding things from me. Or they share everything and spare no detail. And sometimes that kills a relationship when it didn't need to. We should endeavor, if we are pursuing righteousness and kindness in the topics we discuss, we should endeavor to, in a timely manner, somewhere around the three-month mark, Have some of these important conversations. You don't have to share every detail, but you do need to be honest about where you've struggled and, more importantly, where you've grown. And if you have not grown enough, you need to be honest about that, too. The person needs to know who they're dating. Boundaries are important. So all of this. Now, you might be wondering, okay, felt like a lot. I'm not sure that I'm there. I think this is a moment for us to either, if you've never set a boundary, to set one. It's like after you leave here sometime this weekend, you should consider setting some boundaries on your time, on your touch, on the topics. And if you've set boundaries but have just messed it up, today's a great reminder. You can reset. Uh, One of the beauties of the Christian life is that God is a God of second chances. Uh, I'm standing before you today because of second chances, Uh, There were things I had to confess to my wife in our dating relationship and in our married relationship about my own struggles with sexual sin, my own struggles in past relationships. It was very painful, but the beauty of walking with the Lord is I have grown and my wife has shown me mercy in the same way that God has shown me mercy. And part of a dating relationship is inviting the other person into that space, uh, growing with another person, resetting if you've messed it up, or setting something, setting a boundary if you've not yet set one. Uh, In regards to time, I think it's important to set some limits. In regards to touch, it's important to set some limits. Boundaries are a way that we pursue kindness and righteousness. Lastly, we find a good match, we set clear limits, And then you need to set a good pace. So our third point is composure. We will read the verse one more time because it's one short verse. Proverbs 21, 21. Whoever pursues righteousness and kindness will find life, righteousness, and honor. The last part of this verse is the result. If this person, this subject, whoever, any of you, performs the action of pursuing, pursuing righteousness, pursuing kindness, the result is that you will find life. I think we can summarize this principle on, uh, with the idea of composure or, or keeping your eyes on the prize. The point of dating is to discern marriage. I, I don't think people say this enough. right? Like when we talk about why is it that you are dating someone, uh, well, I'm dating them because I enjoy their company, but more than that, I'm dating them because I think they're a potential fit for marriage. And if you can't say they're a potential fit for marriage, you should not be dating them. But if you are dating them because you think they're a potential fit for marriage, uh, then I think we need to be reminded of that, like, appropriate pacing. Because this verse reminds us, if you're pursuing, if you're going in this direction, you find life. You will find life. So if that life, that quality of life is a, a life with another Christian that will help you be influenced towards greater obedience to Jesus, you know, the abundant life that Jesus talked about. So there are two things that are important in, in the pacing of a dating relationship and helping you stay composed and helping you keep your eyes on the prize. Two phrases, timeline and stages. So I'm, I'm using like the, what is considered like their very normal like team dynamics. There's four words that people use form, storm, norm, and then transform. If you've ever been in a leadership class, ever, like you've probably heard these phrases. Uh, they're appropriate in the context of a dating relationship because this is kind of the way a couple fits together. You make a relationship, right? That is the, the forming. Like you have to actually become a couple. Uh, and if you've never stormed, if you've never gone through conflict, then the big question is, have, have you ever talked? Like, Do you know anything meaningful about each other? Because unless you're dating yourself there is differences between you and your boyfriend or girlfriend. So you form, you have to go through the, the storming, but if you can't overcome the storms, you probably shouldn't date. You should, you should probably break up. But as you go through the storms, you, you start to norm, you start to find your pattern, you find your groove, and then ultimately the last idea is transform. Like, Are you a better person because of this relationship? Are they influencing you towards an abundant Christian life? And if you can't say yes, and it's important to ask, like, is this the right person for me? You need to go through the stages, or you need to go through the timeline, and the timeline flows naturally in in parallel with, with stages, right? Relationships mature over time. This is the nature of relationships, right? You go from acquaintance to friend to best friend, right? Like, that's what happens in friendship. So it should be no different in a dating relationship. You go from, like, a kind of a soft friendship, as you're like, well, we're dating, but, like, we're friends, but we're, we're also, like, we're a couple, and you move into, like, a, a more committed relationship where you think, well, no, no, like, we're definitely an item. It's not just going on a few dates. We're together, and, like, we, you know, I don't, I guess people don't change their Facebook status because that's, like, a 2000s thing, uh, but whatever the new version is, we posted a picture together on our B-reel, right? Like, you're, you're a couple now. You're legit. You're a dating relationship, and then you start introducing them to your family, right? Your friends already know them because they've all vetted them already, right? But now you start introducing them to the family and they come on the trips or they see you on the holidays. And ultimately then you're like, okay, well, we, like we, I, actually I can't imagine a life without this person. I view them as, as a companion for life. There are stages of progression in a, in a dating relationship that go along with the timeline of you know, form, storm, norm, transform. When I say composure, and I'm using the phrase, like keep your eyes on the prize, because the point of a dating relationship is to discern the marital like, compatibility of this person. So I have like three little questions, and I'm gonna end with this. Three little questions that I think you should be asking yourself if you are in a dating relationship. Uh, if you're in a dating relationship, or I guess we'll backtrack. If you're trying to go into a dating relationship, is this person compatible? Like do they even meet, my my target? Like, do they fit my non-negotiables? Yes. Okay, you go into that. Then while you're dating, you're asking one simple question. Like, should I leave? You might be thinking, like, that seems kind of harsh, right? But the the reason you're asking that question is, is this person a good fit? Are they the right target? Do they fit my non-negotiables? Or Are they a good influence on me? Does my family get along with them? Do I like the person I am with them in my life? You're asking the question constantly. Should I stay or should I go? Like, do I need to leave this relationship? And if you've been together through the stages, if you've been together through the timeline, and you have not left, then I think the implication of that is, well, you're actually probably a good fit. Or not probably, you are a good fit. And what then follows is marriage, right? We date, we get engaged, and then we get married. Like, that's the progression of a relationship. If you don't like that idea, you should not be dating, If you are dating and the idea of going through that progression scares you, maybe you shouldn't be dating. If you are dating and you see someone and you're like, no, they're they're a great fit, then that is what you're working towards, and you need to be honest about that, right? The point of dating is to find a spouse. It is appropriate at any point in a dating relationship to walk away if you are not ready for that, but if you are ready for that, stay in the relationship, continue being honest, go through the stages... Go through the timeline. Uh, Returning to marriage ceremonies, which is what I started with, uh, the reason I use that same phrase, which if you've ever been to a wedding of officiated, you might have heard, probably didn't remember, Uh, it's one little line. But the reason I I use that line over and over again, that this spouse, that this woman or this man that you're about to marry is going to be the single greatest influence on you is because that person really, really matters, and that person doesn't just start mattering on the wedding day. That person mattered when you were dating. That person mattered when you were friends. So when, when I wanted to talk to you about the ABCs of dating, this is the reason I wanted to talk to you about the ABCs of dating. I think the person you choose really matters. And I think the way that you manage that relationship really matters. And all of that matters is because that person will be the single greatest influence on you in your entire life. That is not a choice that you can take lightly. Tonight we cover the ABCs of dating. Authenticity, boundaries, and composure. You find a good match, you set clear limits, and then you set a good pace. Date wisely. My hope for you is that whether you're dating now or you hope to date, that as you go into this kind of relationship, that you date wisely. I'm gonna pray for you, and then I'll invite the worship team back up. Father God, thank you for... Uh, this this night, thank you for the opportunity to preach from your word. Uh, out of Proverbs 21, Lord, I, I recognize that this topic is so important, uh, so near and dear to so many people, uh, but also so emotionally charged, Lord. So many people have scars and hurts and pain from dating relationships or lack of dating relationships or disappointments in dating relationships. So Father, I pray that uh, the message that was shared tonight, that it would challenge people, that, that they would have a vision for what dating is, um, what it should be, and where they have space to grow. Lord, we know that we are all, uh, we all fall short of the glory of God, but by your grace, Lord, you give second chances. So I pray that everyone here would walk out of here thinking, uh, tonight is a second chance where I can have a different kind of relationship. Help us, Lord. We know that you love to help your kids. Thank you for all you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.